So I guess welcome back. Thank you. Lovely to have you back in the studio. Yeah, and I'm again hijacking this podcast. Okay. So we can continue with your story about now Monty. Monty. So tell me a little bit about Monty. Monty was never our dog. Monty, well, how Monty came into to my life was that I'd met him before. He actually met George, which would be George's final time at the dog beach before okay. his paws got sore. But Monty was on loan for the weekend. Our good friends, Ange, Nige, and the boys, um, so they were going back to England for a holiday and they just wanted to see how Monty would go potentially staying at our place for, Mm -hmm. and when my then wife told me, I was like, I was pissed off because I was still really hurting from George. It had been six or seven months since George had passed away and I was, and it wasn't Monty's house. It wasn't any other dog's house. And I wasn't, yeah, I just wasn't keen at all to have another dog. Or you just weren't ready? I wasn't ready. I didn't think I was ready. I didn't know. It sounds like you were bitter and angry. Yeah, really angry, very tired, but the wife overrid all of that and said, sure. stiff shit, John, Monty's coming to stay. I was, I was still excited, but not really. I didn't really know what I was going to expect or... So you sort of did it begrudgingly because of your then wife and it's needed help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah. So I remember... You're, you're a good man. <laughs> yeah, you've just got to pick your battles. Yeah. So I, I got home from work, it was a late Friday, and Monty was waiting for me inside the front door. So I walked in and gave him a pat, this big, bull-fetted, slightly cross-eyed Labrador. Okay. And huge boy, huge, big, long legs. And that was kind of that. And I didn't really interact with him much. But, you know, he was here in the house, he was safe, and... Later that night, I was watching TV. I remember just being exhausted from from life. That was one thing that had really set in, you know, even six months on from losing George was I didn't really understand how tired I'd become from just trying to keep my head, head above water. And so I was lying on the floor and I fell asleep and I kind of felt this this thing like nestle up to me so I felt this presence I put my arm around and cuddled in I I was half asleep half awake but it was Monty I don't know whether he just wanted to cuddle or he knew that I was hurting and I was kind of noticing this flickering like a flash and didn't think much of it and then went to sleep and woke up my then wife said do you remember last night and I said, oh, I think it was at Monty. I was cuddling. I was so tired. And she goes, yeah, here's some photos. And she showed me a photo of me on the floor, completely cuddled up with this big dog. Oh, how beautiful. It was pretty beautiful. Yeah. But so I got up and made breakfast. I was trying to coax him to have the the banana, a little piece of banana, like he's defeated George. But an incredible change had come over me. I started to think of George. And the memories that I couldn't think of because they were too painful had started to come back. Were they still painful? No. I was still grieving, but they weren't painful at all. What Monty had done in such a short space of time, he brought George back to me. And that's why probably by the end of the weekend, he had a new nickname, which is the Golden Angel. What a beautiful name. He's 
I said to him that morning, I said, come on, Monty, let's, let's go to the park. I remember um, taking him into the park. Was this the first time you'd been back to the park since George? First time. So we just walked through and it's pretty hard to be low when you've got another bull fed that you've got to keep an eye on because he's not my dog and mm-hmm. I can't, nothing can happen to him. Not on your watch. Not on my watch. That's what my mum always says when she has to look after a Remy or, or the cat. She's like, oh my God, if something happens to them, like, I feel really bad. I was like, if something happens to them on your watch, we're never talking again. <laughs> She's like, oh my God, the pressure. <laughs> it was just amazing. I mean, as I say, I was still, still grieving, but it was lifting. And it was because of, he came in the front door and dragged a big bag of the happy memories of George, which were all... They were still there, but I just couldn't face them. It's almost like he transformed those memories for you again. He brought them back to the surface, to into the sunshine, I call them, instead mm-hmm. of in the shadows. So that was the weekend. I think he spent two, three days, extended weekend, we'll call it. And then he went back and I went, when's he coming again? And even when he left, I was still thinking, God, I'm going to go back to the park even by myself. And then I started running in the park every, pretty much every night, or as much as my lazy body would allow me to anyway. Yeah, you say every night. Well, maybe. I think I ran twice, maybe. No, what, no I thought about it. I, I thought I'd... You had good intentions. I, I, had, I, I bought some running shoes. <laughs> well, I thought about buying running shoes. And that was the state of play for a couple of years. So he would just come and go? From... He'd come and go. And not even when Nige and Ange and Gareth and Yui were away... They'd say, would you like to have him for the weekend? Did they say that or would you just say, can I have Monty? I think my then then wife, uh, yeah, she'd just say, can we grab him for the weekend? Mm-hmm. And so he became... A shared dog. Absolutely. So the boys were getting older, heavily involved in their sport, in their cricket, in their um, soccer, like their football. And Nige was saying to my then wife that we, we, we want to spend more time with Monty, but we... We're so busy and we're trying to balance everything out. And so the seed was planted that, well, if you ever want to put him up for adoption, meaning give him to us, we would say yes. So this went on for a while and then they were going back to England again. And one of the friends of um, my, my then wife said, just offer them money, offer the kids money, buy them, like bribe them. And that's what happened. They said, well, we'll give you spending money. And, and, of you, co- and you said this to the kids? But my wife then said it to Andrew and Nige, okay. and then they rolled that down to the kids, sure. however that mm-hmm. however that was going to work. So we pretty much bribed him, and then I didn't think we'd get it over. I was just so hoping we could have Monty as our forever dog. And, of course, they, he, he would have shared family access, shared custody. Shared custody. Shared custody between sure. the two families. That yeah. was not going to change. I hadn't forgotten about it, but I think a week or two weeks went by, and then... It was the night before, and I dreamed of George. Weird. It was just like a really quick snippet of farm days, and he's just sitting. The farmer sold years ago, mm-hmm. but he was just kind of sitting there in a in the field, and we were just hanging together. It was like a five second snippet, and the next day, um, my then wife comes home and says they've accepted our terms, our generous and cash offer, a generous cash offer. How did you feel in that moment? Oh, it's fa- absolutely fantastic. Yeah, okay. absolutely fantastic. Like the golden angel is going to be our golden angel. Yeah, I think it was that weekend he came to live forever and there. And I was just so happy. Mm-hmm. Just so happy that 
for so many reasons that he brought George back to me and but we had our journey. This is our time. I've got my George journey. And this, and is, this is our Monty journey. And this is a new journey. New journey. It came into your life so opportunistically and so spontaneously. And like we were saying in the previous episode, it was almost like George made space for this for you. Monty coming into my life was by complete miracle. And, if, and it was almost like he helped you get out of that that funk and the, the depth of that grief and sadness that you had been experiencing in such an unexpected way. In, in, in two ways, yes, definitely help, yeah, move myself along a little bit or a little bit higher on the ladder for that, for, for me, but also him being able to be with me and create a new journey together and also bringing my George memories back in the, to the surface, to the sunlight where they belong. It's like, is this actually even a dog? Is, am I imagining this? How mm-hmm. can that happen? But, mm-hmm. and same, and he was a hound. He, he was, he was a bit of a loner. Like you'd go, where is he? He's just around the corner sitting by himself, not, not even by the gate, just sitting and he, he loved being with us. He's a different character than George wanted to be touching. He wanted to be close, but Monty was happy just doing his own thing and get him at the dog beach. This dog went nuts. He'd be in the waves and just smashing and the more deadly or closer to death he could possibly put himself. You know, he was a stunt dog and, but he was lovable. Almost got me in a couple of fights at the beach by stealing someone's precious tennis ball. Oh, no. I know. Heaven forbid. <laughs> yeah. Another dog picks up your tennis that's ball. That's why you take a spe- like spare tennis ball to the beach. Hey? Yeah, yeah, that, that's it. But he was such a gentle dog as well. But he lived on the crazy side of life. Mm-hmm. He wasn't naughty, but he was he was pretty well behaved, but he wore the pants in the family. Sure. He was the alpha male. It wasn't me. <laughs> well, at least you can admit it. Yeah, I, he can have that one. <laughs> and so I um, I understand you went through a lot of other life experiences while Monty was in your life. Can you tell me a bit about that? I don't know. It was a Sunday and like any Sunday, and then my wife comes into the room crying and says we need to speak about something and need to speak about us, me and her. And pretty much one moment, I was married, and the second moment, it was um, our marriage was over, and it was it was so life changing in the sense that what I thought my life looked like to what it was going to look like were completely opposites. But we both realised that it was the right thing, and it had to happen. We'd been growing apart for a long, long time. You know, people change. A lot of life had happened for both of us whether that contributed to it, but we're just definitely on different different buses. So you separated, well, you made the decision to separate. So then how did Monty fit into that and what happened? What was discussed quickly on that Sunday afternoon was that Monty was going to come with me and that was the gift that my then-to-be-not-wife said, of course, Monty's coming with me, which was gorgeous. That would have been completely heartbreaking. But it wasn't a case of let's smash each other's hearts. It's a case of, okay, this is what's going to happen. And you were closer to Monty than she was? We were both close, but he was, yeah, he was daddy's boy. He was daddy's boy. The house was sold. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to find a safe place for Monty and myself to to live. So I moved to Scarborough, down by the coast, Mm -hmm. here in Perth. And me and the Monty show. Sure. Because it sounds, you know, it sounds like what happened is you thought your life was going 
down one trajectory, if you like, and then the separation happened and you're having to rethink how your life is going to turn out. And it's you and Monty and then you guys are creating this beautiful life together. That's exactly what happened. So um, we moved in, we found a new dog park, another dog beach, and my then now becoming ex-wife would duck across or we'd meet at a park so she could still have Monty time. Mm-hmm. Um, because that wouldn't be fair on her because Monty loved both of us and also that it was just not that type of breakup. Sure, it was amicable and, yeah. and mutual. And yeah. So there was no fighting or angst over that. No, there was no fighting. But it was supervised visits, meaning I'd be the supervisor. Sure. Sure. I wasn't going to miss out and not spending another hour with Monty in the park. Fair enough. It wasn't that long after. I remember a friend rang and said, do you remember the conversation you had a couple of months ago when you were selling the house? And I was, he, he lives in, in England. And I said, mate, I can't remember the conversation I had. There's just too much going on. I'm just trying to settle the dust. He said, well, you're going to come and visit me in the UK. And I said, mate, give us 24 hours. So I just booked a ticket oh, to wow. the UK. And said, well, we're going to go to Barcelona as well. I'd always wanted to go to Barcelona. He took two weeks off work. And that was that. Monty went back to his old family and I think my the, my ex was going to look after him a little bit as well. So he was sorted. At least I knew he was safe. And then I jumped on a plane and mm-hmm. went over to London, which is one of my favourite cities in the world. And we spent some time there. And then we flew down to Barcelona, which was simply amazing. Oh, I fell in love with the city. And there's so many... There's so many Labradors, so many dogs walking everywhere. And I'd be like this, who's this guy with this weird accent? Yeah. Um, well, I think some of those places are so great because they take the dogs everywhere. Like you sit yeah. in outside cafes and... Oh, it was magic. It was magic, like Labradors and all types of dogs and it was... And when I was in Barcelona, I saw some lady walking a pig. Oh, wow. <laughs> I had to stop. I couldn't help myself. Did you take a photo or... Yeah, absolutely. I was like, oh my God, do you mind? And she's like, no, not at all. <laughs> This little black pig. I was like, I love this place. What did you think of the food in Barcelona? Oh, I loved it. I yeah. loved the whole that whole culture of tapas and, and eating and going out late. I struggled because I go to bed super early. Um, so it took me a little while to adjust. But yeah, Barcelona and Spain, I love I love it. Oh, wow. I, I, I loved it. And it was really, um, going back to the UK and going to Barcelona, it was a really beautiful thing to do as a bit of a emotional top up for me going, Hey, it had been tiring, but at the end there was like, okay, there's great things in life. This mm-hmm. is a bit of closure as well. And a bit of a reward almost. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. A lot of sangria <laughs> sure. reward. So, but then we got, um, we came back from Barcelona, myself and my buddy and I maybe five days left mm-hmm. in the UK. And I got a phone call from my ex saying that Monty had been sick and they thought he might have just eaten something. He's off his food. He's and I thought that's Monty. He's munched up something in the park, tennis and, ball. a tennis ball or something. <laughs> I remember going to Harrods in London and buying Monty a present to bring back. So there was this little um, little dog toy. It was like one of the traditions with George and Monty. Whenever I'd go away, I would go away. Um, there'd be a toy to come back, and mm-hmm. I was flying back. I had this dog sitting next to me in this and um even he got us like the special gift pack he got one himself oh, wow. which i stoked because it means yeah. more aftershave for johnny sure. and went for i fell asleep and he did a tour apparently around and i think he even went to the cockpit while i was sleeping this little dog mm-hmm. toy 
So I get back into Perth and then Monty's completely fine, happy to see me. We go to the park and then I just noticed probably about a day later that he wasn't eating he wasn't eating his food. He was leaving it like the bowl hardly touched. And I thought maybe there's something wrong with the food. Maybe it's off or and the same with the carrots. He's going, well, well, let's throw them out. Let's buy some more. He was off his food and then he was sort of on it. So this went in as a bit of a play for a couple of days. And then one morning I went outside and I couldn't find him. And I called him and going, God, he, he wouldn't have got out. He wasn't a jump and run dog. And then he comes out from under the light, these bushes, and he's obviously looked like he'd been been vomiting. Yeah. And it was just heartbreaking to see this poor, beautiful dog just looking so ill. I rang the vet and said, Look, I've got to go to I've got to go to work. Can I drop him in like early and can you look after him for the day and mm-hmm. and just sort of I think he needs some bloods done or, or do whatever you need to do. Sure. You might, if you can't get hold of me, don't panic. Just do anything. Mm-hmm. Here's my credit card details. Mm-hmm. Just, mm-hmm. just do, do it. What needs do to do be whatever done. it needs to be done. It was later that day. I was setting up for a trade show, and there'd been some missed calls from the clinic. I was trying to ring back, but the vet wasn't available. So I'd say to the nurse, "Look, can you tell me what's going on?" They said, "No, no, no. Karen needs to speak to you." Like your stomach and heart dropping. That <sighs> I, I knew at that stage it was serious but I eventually took the call raced around the corner out of the where I was having lunch and I just remember the words John it's it's lymphoma oh no I knew exactly the it was that's it yeah that's I I knew there was no there was no um fantasy Mm -hmm. there was no hope and I didn't want him to go on chemo it was all in that moment was complete impact. And almost realisation because you knew you'd I knew. been through this journey before. Yeah, I knew exactly what we are dealing with. It was internal lymphoma. And so you had actually heard the vet this time. I'd heard the vet. I knew what it meant instantly. And she said, would you like me to ring my ex? And I said, "I can you do that, please? Because I, I, I just can't speak at the moment. And then 10 minutes later, my ex rang me, obviously distraught. We were both distraught and just, that was, that was the beginning of the end for Monty. And so what did you guys decide to do from that moment? I knew we decided that we, we, I just said straight away, we're not, he's not going on chemo because whatever time we have with Monty to make it the best, the best time of his life. We caught up with his, well, still his shared family. With the, the boys wanted to see him, Ewan and Gareth, and Hope, Gareth's um, fiance. And I just said, guys, and they said he looks so healthy. I said, look, this is the way it's going to work. He'll be good, and then he won't. And then he won't. That that's how this thing's going to play out. So we'll. So they got to see him, and I got to. I got to have the best. <laughs> The best four, four weeks with him. He could. He was allowed to eat anything as long as he didn't give him diarrhea or. So. And, and what made it the best four weeks? I think it was just you. Were, you know, you talk about being present in the moment, like really present. 
really present in the simpler moments. And appreciative. Very appreciative. Well, he, he was on this medication. I can't remember what it's called. And we went to this, it was like a dog in a park event. The medication makes them really hungry. So you've got a Labrador on medication that makes them hungry. That's not a winning combination. That's like stuffed up. Yeah, not in a park with other dogs and people and food. He broke into one of the, not broke in, there was a stand where you spin a wheel and where it lands, the dog wins that prize. But mm-hmm. the prizes were on the on the, on the the board, like, okay, here's a bone or whatever. He, mm-hmm. he went on and just started eating it before I could even look. <laughs> I went to the vet clinic that we take him to, um, Went in and I was talking to the staff who I know really well and I could feel him pulling on the lead, but that's okay because I was turning the other way. He's got his head in the lolly bucket, in the candy oh, bucket. Oh, no. So they had to tip all of that out. And then I took him to this like van and it had like ice treats, like dog dog treats. Yeah. He he was like he was like he hadn't eaten for uh, ten months, like and he'd broken tor- into torturing him, torturing, and, and he'd him. broken him into a restaurant. And he's just going, "Let's eat as much food as we can before yeah, we okay. take him to the burger place down, down um, near the beach." And we ordered an extra burger just for him. Mm-hmm. The first one, I put held the plate out, and he put his nose on it, going, "I'm not sure if this is for me, but that smells so good." Yeah, like, am I allowed to have? Am I allowed to? And he was so delicate. The second time it took, he just went, oh. <laughs> yeah. The third time I had to cut it into quarters and just like drip feed it. But And every night, it wasn't the burger place. I'd cook him a six courses nice. of all of his favorite things, mm-hmm. like little little portions or whatever. And um, It's amazing what we do for our animals, like, you know, the effort that we, we go through and what we, what we do to make them comfortable and happy and it's really nice. Yeah, he was eating better than me. I wasn't even on scraps. Yeah. He was on five. Look at this. And then he was just started to get tired. I think it was about four weeks thereabouts from diagnosis to having to make the decision that that was. And so what was the end like for him? The end was, it was peaceful. It was um, the morning on the same day before Monty would, would pass away. Um, my um, my ex came over. We took him to the park. This little girl wandered over to him, and the the mum said, "Is is she allowed to pat him?" Mm-hmm. And this little girl was just so joyful of patting this dog without even knowing what was going to happen. I don't think we even told the mother. He said, "Yeah, he's just old. He's he wasn't old. He was only seven or eight, but when he passed away, so mm-hmm. probably an hour later, he um he left my life." And then, so what happened after that for you? I thought I was okay, but I wasn't. I had this thing in my head that I know grief. I know what's going to happen. This is what's going to it's going to be like, and this is how I'll get through. Did you think it was going to be similar to the way you grieved for George? Oh yeah, I knew. Yeah, I know grief. I know exactly what this. to expect. I've got mm-hmm. this everything, and it was completely the opposite. I mean, obviously, it was. Incredibly painful, but I thought, okay, well, it's lymphoma and this and this and this, and I'm going to be sad. And I was in a deep hole. Like I, just, I was worse than George in the sense that I thought I was going okay with George. I knew I was, I knew I was really hurting and really stuffed up. But so I had the same to me: two dogs lost to lymphoma, 
and a marriage breakdown. Marriage breakdown. So it was all this. I was in a completely different situation, and and that's when I started to shut down. I mean, I still had my friends, but I never spoke. I didn't seek help once mm-hmm. again. All the stuff I thought, if this happens again, I'll do. I and I isolated myself. And what stopped you from seeking help? I just denied that I was actually sinking lower because I wasn't feeling the full impact of grief that I felt with George because I felt I'd trained myself to go, okay, you're going to be sad for a while. That's fine. Don't need to talk. You're doing okay. You're doing okay. It'll you're doing pass, okay. It'll pass. It'll pass. It'll pass. And then I didn't realise that I was I was um, sinking deeply into de- to depression, okay. deeply into depression and isolating myself more. I'd still exercise. I was eating healthy. But I'll be fine. I don't know. There was a few things happened after. I, one of my very close friends, my, my my close friends and this particular guy are lifelong friends. Where I was a little bit later to the party, but we'd been friends since when I was say sixteen years old. Just passed away, and it was difficult, especially for his lifelong group and obviously his family. And I was just thinking, there's just nothing good in this world everything just keeps happening and it wasn't a woe is me thing it was just like this is where i'm at it it almost feels like a darkness or a heaviness i guess that um you couldn't see past the negativity and the shitty parts of life that was exactly there was nothing good that i could see then there was a lot of good, but I just... You couldn't see that because I could, when have you become so narrow in moments like that? I'm grateful for it, to ha- for it to have happened for the mere fact of knowing that not two grief journeys are identical mm-hmm. because I felt that within myself in probably in such a similar way but different life circumstance and... That's um that that's what I, I, I definitely took out of losing Monty. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really important point. No, you know we can think we know grief, but it's all different. Every experience is different, and every relationship lost is different. Another friend said to just said to me, "Hey, John." Why don't you go to the doc? I've got a good one. I didn't have a specific doctor at that stage. Most men don't. So I went to this doctor. She asked what was going on. Within 10 seconds, I started to feel, feeling so much better, so lighter already. Just by having that person to share your story with. Exactly. Air. We speak about the air in the balloon to release some of that. And that's when it really... The light bulb moment came on about finding your person, whoever that is or whatever that is. It doesn't have to even be a person. It can be some type of outlet to share what's going on inside of you. That's what I learned from that. And for someone to hold you in that space and to ask you questions and to just sit with you if that's if that's what you need. Sometimes you don't need to talk, you just need company or you need presence. Absolutely. We we had a couple of catch-ups with the doctor. She helped me identify what was going on mm-hmm. and then we had to fix a few things and work on a few things and, and and then life just started to improve day by day by day. Um getting through the loss of Monty and through mm-hmm. that whole period a lot 
my life was was still tough, but it was it felt less tough. Mm-hmm. And with the grief for Monty in that whole space just. You know, I started to turn my hand to different things. I took up stand-up paddle boarding. I travelled back to America with my brother. But I wanted to memorialise my journey with George Monty some way. So I decided to do something about it. And so what did you decide to do about it? We'll talk about that in the next episode. Okay, sounds good. I look forward to hearing about it. Okay. <laughs>